Hey, everybody. We're back with another Bald Move tel- Television podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all of TV. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Uh, Jim, I, I saw the outline for today's episode. I feel like we, we, we always cover all of television. We said we we're going to narrow our focus down to one television show, and now we're talking about all of television, it seems like. We're going to talk about Emmy, Emmy nominations, some Stranger Things. Like <laughs> I can't resist. Not, not even one week could we stay true yeah. to our mission of not covering all of television. We have opposing missions. That's the problem. We do. We do. Uh, which of the two topics, the, the, the B-plots of this episode, shall we say, do we want to talk about first? Uh, the Emmy nominations that were released last week or the Stranger Things Season 3 trail- teaser trailer uh, that was released, I think, yesterday. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's start with the Emmys. Okay. Uh, you and I both don't think much of award shows. Even though, including our own. Including yeah. our own. Uh-huh. The, the, the Baldies is the, the second least ridiculous award show on the planet. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys figure out what the number one is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Emmys, they came out. Like I think the Emmys are even historically bad. Like, like the, 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 you know, I always hold the fact that um, they didn't ever give any love to The Wire. Mm-hmm. I hold against them that they didn't give any love to uh like the le- real love to the leftovers like i thought it deserved i feel like once they finally do get around to recognizing somebody like breaking bad then it just gets stuck in in between their teeth and they can't help but nominate these people again and again and again yeah. like peter dinklage could have died last season and he will still get nominated for season 8 of game of thrones because that's what you do once you get on mm-hmm. um and but I know that we're in a minority, and a lot of people like to talk about these fucking awards. So, uh, any have you have you seen the 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 list of I'm, the nominations? I'm looking at them right now. I hadn't seen them until about five seconds ago. Okay, so. I do think that uh, they did a typically kind of slipshod job on the dramatic series, but I thought the comedy series were not were not terrible. Okay. Uh, do you want to just go by them through category? I've got a list from yeah, Box here. Yeah, j- just a few of the categories. We're not going to do them all. No, no, obviously. no. Like, I think the top six, like the series and then the actors. Uh, outstanding yeah. comedy series uh, nominated uh, Atlanta, Barry, Blackish, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Glow, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Silicon Valley, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Honestly, the only one I'm entirely unfamiliar with here is The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Hmm. Despite Netflix's best efforts, I have not not clicked play on that banner. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a strong category. Like it uh, to me, it's a race between Atlanta and Barry. Okay, I know you haven't seen any I, of Atlanta, the, but the holy only shit! Ones, yeah, the only ones I've seen on here are Barry, Glow, Silicon Valley, and I saw not last season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but I feel like I know what that show is. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean of. The three seasons that I watched last year, I guess Barry was the best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Glow was really good. I really liked Glow. Silicon Valley, eh, it was okay. I think Silicon Valley and like Curb Your Enthusiasm are there because they're That's all what you do. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I heard that this last season. I haven't seen this last season of Curb, but I heard it was just kind of like a eh, kind of you know a comeback season. Um, and mm-hmm. Silicon Valley was. The best season they've had in a long time, but far from the heights of the show. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Barry, it was its debut season, and it was surprising uh, how good that was. 
and different. I like mm-hmm. I like it when the Emmys or any award show can reward a risky uh, success. Yeah. Um, you know, something that took a lot of risks, and I think Barry, uh, you know, it took some challenging material. Like I've seen Assassins with Hearts of Gold before. You know, Gross Point Blank, etc. Sure, um, but. They didn't really do. I mean, I, they did an interesting job where you, it, it's very complicated how you feel about Barry by the the end, mm-hmm. and like whether he's a good guy under it all, and what does that even mean? Like, how, how can you maintain your good guy status, or is that like, is that just a way you carry yourself, or is it the accumulation of the things you did do? Um, and I think it's got some interesting conclusions. I can't wait to see season two of that. Mm-hmm. Atlanta was just. Like a tour de force, like the stuff that Donald Glover is trying to say about, I guess his particular view of the black experience of America is 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 amazing. And it's hard for me to to comment on because a lot of stuff is like shit that I'm finding out or like getting the emotional truth of for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but it also remains like extremely funny, and a lot of the humor comes from like their their great characters and their, their great cast, not so much as like a situational comedy because there's nothing funny about being jumped for your jewelry and then running through a fo- woods afraid that you're going to be murdered. You yeah. know, that's not a funny situation. What if you did it in tidy whities? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. If you, if it's Walt yeah. and Jesse and they're dissolving someone at the end in the bathtub, fine. Okay, but yeah, it's similar to that. Like finding the humor in these black situations, like emotionally and skin color, uh-huh. uh, I think it does does really well. And I will be. I mean, honestly, uh, I think we should all join together and burn the Emmys down if one of these two doesn't win. Okay, <laughs> sure. I mean, Blackish is. Also, I don't see anything there that would compete with them, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Blackish is also very good, but. It's not better than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the outstanding drama series, The Americans. Okay. Yeah, I heard this was the best season of an already amazing show. Okay. Uh, to wrap it up. So, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it since like season three or four. Right. That's when we, well, when we jointly yeah. bailed. I guess I was the one that bailed. And yeah, you, you, you bailed and I it kind of killed, crushed my spirit on that show. <laughs> so I, I just haven't crushed caught up with spirit, it. Like so many Swedish diplomats and stuffed it into a suitcase. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the crown, which is something I really want to see because it's right up my alley. It's all about that British, you know, upper crust bullshit. Uh, and it's well acted <laughs> and it looks amazing. Uh, but I haven't seen it, uh, so I can't commentate on it. Game of Thrones, this, this is, is outrageous. Game of yeah. Thrones had a very uneven penultimate season yeah. that much depends on the finale season. I I am aghast that 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 the zombie the zombie husk of of season seven Game of Thrones made it onto. Although. It is even when it's not firing on all cylinders, it's still awesome to look at and has two or three moments per year where they're just like drop your jaw on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um I wish they felt more organic. This season everything felt very set PC trying to get to these two three, you know, literally trying to check off these three uh bullet points that Martin gave us seven years ago. Yeah. Um, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, man, season one is amazing. I think that's what we're talking about. I mm-hmm. think uh, season two is so searing that Seth and I are having a hard time making it through. Oh, boy. It's just fucking bleak, man. Yeah. Um, it's like the Americans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, except, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for instead of the heroes being 
Russian agents mm-hmm. fighting against the American democracy. The, the the heroes are just women. Just women. Okay. Just women trying not to be treated as cattle. Yeah. Literally cattle. Uh, stra- and it's the performance as well. Uh, Stranger Things, season two. It's a weird one. Uh, I don't really consider Stranger Things like a serious drama. It's what like a you... really fun show. It's not quite a comedy. It's not quite a drama. It's like... All of those things rolled into one, and it doesn't really seem to fit, in my mind, in any category. Yeah, it's almost like Spielberg 80s adventure. Yeah, like if there was a nostalgia category, uh, like yeah. b- b- biggest nostalgia boner, this would be in it. But, like, I don't know. It's not great drama. There are a couple of things, like Hopper and Eleven's relationship. I don't Last know. season was pretty good. But... I thought that there was a lot of really strong performances. The kid, Will. Absolutely. It wasn't I, a Will, the one that was like. Yeah, I think they should be nominated for their performances. But the series hmm. as a whole is like, is that serious drama? I mean, it doesn't have. I mean, if it's not funny, it's got to be drama, right? I guess. Uh, or can it just be like fun, you know? Like, how is it different from like, I guess, Breaking Bad in that way? Uh, Breaking Bad was always like uh, a really intense character. I guess it's study. dark. It's it's dark. It's as dark as you can get, starring a bunch of twelve and thirteen year olds. Yeah, like like Goonies is as dark. And being true to the the era, like like, like it's like imagine if Goonies the movie was Midnight Black. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the Fratellis will kill a kid. <laughs> right. Maybe Chunk doesn't walk out of that basement. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I get your. I, I I guess I don't feel as strong about it as you do. Um, because I think I mean, that, I'm not like, saying it shouldn't be there at right. all. But like I, I'm I'm cool with it being recognized because it's an amazing show. It's probably my favorite show on TV. But like drama. <laughs> Um, this is us, the juggernaut I this, that yeah. I refuse to see. Uh, refuse to see it for misguided re- principles, I suppose. I'm just not interested huh. in seeing it. Um, okay. Like every, even the defenders kind of say it's kind of schmaltzy, and that mm. that's kind of an anathema to me. And then Westworld, yeah, uh, which is another kind of Game of Thronesy. If you're going to give like like what other seats, what other what other series got overlooked? Um, what was the one with um, Michelle Dockery and uh, where the villain was uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Daniels? Oh, yeah. Um, Godless? Godless. Like, isn't Godless better than Westworld? Yeah, Godless was really strong. Like, Godless didn't have Kitsumi. It was, Kitsu- it was a limited Kitsuya. run thing, though, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a yeah, series. I guess that's so true. It and they do category. have the limited series of role. Let's see. Did that yeah. get into it? No, it didn't make it there either. No. Uh, I'm not going to go through that category because I haven't seen literally any of them. But yeah, I, I thought Mr. Robot Season 3 was much better than Westworld there Season 2. There you go. Two. That's a good comparison. Wait, uh, is this Westworld This is Westworld Season 1 Season or 2? Two, two? Okay. Sure. And I actually think uh, Handmaid's Tale Season 2, too. Like, the way this stuff mm. works is the, the cutoffs are... Okay, then yeah, I don't think Westworld should have been in that, just yeah. personally speaking. Uh, let's go to lead actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson Blackish. Uh, I don't I've seen some of that show, but not enough to even recognize the the actor. Ted Danson from The Good Place. Good Place, another show. A lot of yeah. people say we need to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ted Danson's good. We know this. Uh, Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, whatever. He's Larry David. <laughs> Donald Glover in Atlanta absolutely deserves it because, like, his fingerprints are all over this thing. He probably is the person that does the craziest shit in the season absolutely deserving bill Hader, barry mm-hmm. and then the you know 
keep doing what you're doing uh, slot William H. Macy from Shameless, which yeah. I, I, it's a great show, too. Uh, but again, and I really like Mr. Macy. I do, too. We like we're we're uh, I'm uh, I, I could throw a parade a Macy's Day parade you might say uh, Donald Glover and Bill Hader I, again this is a two man race in my in my mind I mean I, maybe Ted Danson yeah. deserves to be in there but but I find it hard to believe that he's doing something better than Donald Glover or Bill Hader are doing in Atlanta and Barry mm-hmm. uh, supporting actor in comedy series uh, Brian Tyree Henry who plays Paperboy in Atlanta who was almost the star of the show this year. Henry Winkler from Barry, who was very funny, very good. Louie Anderson from Baskets, who <laughs> is very funny, very good, playing uh, B- Baskets' uh, mother. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin playing Trump uh, for the last two years on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Keenan Thompson, Saturday Night Live. For I, still being on Saturday Night Live after and you know what? 35 Kenan, years. Keenan is the anchor of that show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, he is sneaky good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Shalhoub, The Marvelous Mrs. Male. Uh, Maisel, rather, and Titus Burgess, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Hmm. Very funny. Yeah. This guy is like the star of the show as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen enough to know that. Uh, who do you think should win on this one? Damn. Uh, I I thought like Henry Winkler was good in Barry, but I don't know that he was like amazing in Barry. Um, there was something that just didn't that that character something about that character just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. Um, didn't feel natural enough. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen Louis Anderson in Baskets. I haven't seen Baskets at all. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I, I, and I, I I have a hard time giving it to. Well, hmm. I have a hard time giving it to Alec Baldwin because he does one character essentially. Keenan Thompson would right. be more likely because he does everything right and he's amazing at it he's got a funny face the man (laughs) seems to just enjoy what he's doing the man gets a lot of mileage out of his reaction shots i think yeah i think brian tyree henry because it's almost cheating since paperboy is a main character this season that he's gets to Mm -hmm. be in the supporting actor slot and he just i think if if henry winkler if if you're saying it's between henry winkler and keenan thompson i'm saying brian tyree henry is like twice as good as either of those guys in my opinion uh, lead actress in a comedy series, Pamela Adlin, Better Things, blah. Rachel Brosnan, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, nah, I haven't seen it. I've seen zero of these shows. Allison Janney, Mom, blah. Issa Rae, Insecure, all right, all right, all right. Tracy Ellis Ross, Blackish, eh, okay. Lily Tom, Grace and Frank, I haven't seen that, so I guess I'd have to give it to Issa Rae, who is just amazing and insecure. Uh, huh, so Glow was nominated as an outstanding series, but none of the stars from Glow. Made it into the lead actress in a comedy series. Crazy, huh? Hmm. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy series, Zazie Beats Atlanta. Amazing. You'd recognize her as Domino from the Deadpool 2 movie. Uh, Lori Metcalf uh, as Roseanne. Uh, Betty Gilpin from Glow. Oh, so who the hell is Betty Gilpin? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. I'll and then three women from Saturday Night Live. A.D. Bryant, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. Uh, all very funny. Uh, I think it's it's tough because Kate McKinnon is like going to be the breakout star of this ca- <laughs> of, of this female portion of the cast. Uh-huh. I can't wait till she starts you know ripping off very funny movies. Uh, Alex Borstein from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. Oh wow, okay, uh, that's right. Will and Grace came back this year. <laughs> I think that's Megan Mullally was a was a delight as she usually is. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch it. 
even though I was a mild fan of the original. Yeah. Uh, Betty Gilpin is the the friend of the main character, and I I kind of look at her as a lead as well. Like yeah. those two are kind of the leads in my opinion, but yeah. I guess they're counting her as a supporting actress. Um, lead actor in a drama series, Jason Bateman, Ozark. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Matthew Reese, The Americans, does fine work, I'm sure. Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us. I've never seen This Is Us, but I have seen Sterling K. Brown in a lot, and I'm very impressed with him. Milo, Vi- so you recognize this person? Milo Ventimiglia? Yeah, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. It's, uh, shit. I don't remember his name. He was the star of Heroes. Oh the, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I uh, recognize he's, him. He's Rocky's kid in yeah, the, in the yeah, Rocky yeah, yeah. Rap Balboa. Sure, sure. Movie. Uh, Ed Harris from Westworld. It's very good. Very good in a yeah. kind of a weird season. And Jeffrey Wright Westworld also. Uh, I guess I'd have to give it to either Ed or Jeff. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the performances. No. They were no. both stellar, and I don't even know how to choose between the two of them, honestly. Right. They both did a lot of heavy lifting, I thought, um, in service of a, of a bewildering plot. Supporting actor, I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess it'd be one of those two. Flip a coin. Uh, I, it's playing a robot, insane robot unstuck in time. Maybe harder? But then again, maybe Ed Harris is also a robot <laughs> in similar situations. Who the fuck knows? Uh, supporting actor in a drama series, Nikolai uh, Coster Waldo from Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister, Peter Dinklage, Ty- uh, Tyrion from Game of Thrones, Mandy Patinkin. St- still what? fucking kick around in Homeland. Get that fuck out of here. That show's still on the air. Uh, David Harbour, Stranger Things, uh-huh. Matt Smith, The Crown, and Joseph Fiennes, A Handmaid's Tale. Joseph Fiennes, a very creepy and malevolent uh, and banal in The Handmaid's Tale. A pro- David Harbour is very good too. Mm-hmm. Like he really has great chemistry with his uh, surrogate daughter uh, in Eleven, and projects like toughness and warmth and vulnerability, and he's funny. And like, also anger and like yeah. Th- there's a lot going on in his performance there. I can't wait again to see him as Hellboy. Um, I think much more so than like Peter Dinklage, for instance. <laughs> I mean, Peter in this Dinklage season of Game of Thrones had some decent moments uh, standing yeah, up. Yeah, I just to don't Den- think the range and, was there, and and that, that scene character. he had when he was treating with the sister. Uh, I always like seeing uh, Nikolai's work as uh, Jamie Lannister, but to me, yeah, it's going to be between David Harbor and Joseph Fiennes, and uh, uh, probably David Harbor for me. Lead actress in a drama series, uh, Sandra O oh, killing five. Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. What the. F- that show's been on for as long as The Simpsons, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Kay Russell. Tatiana's Amer- 45 years old she now. She is. She is. Uh, there's now 743,000 clones of her. Uh, and she plays every last she one. She plays every one of them. The, that- the finale episode is just going to be her. There's going no, to be nobody else in it. <laughs> they actually film 400 days a year. It's incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, they, 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 find, they find out ways to get more days out of the year. Uh, Kay Russell, Americans, fine. Claire Foy, uh, Crown, fine. Elizabeth Moss, Handmaid's Tale, Evan Rachel Wood, Westworld. Um, I don't know about Evan Rachel Wood just because I don't know. I think she did a good job portraying what she's supposed to portray, but I wasn't buying what they were selling. I probably have to give it to Elizabeth Moss because her work on Handmaid's Mm. Tale is incendiary. From what I hear, she's going to have some stiff competition from the Americans, uh, as well as Matthew Reese. I think both Matthew and Carrie are Is this the final season? Yeah. Okay, so people are going to be really... Although, I don't know if... 
This is like the the cherry on top award. Man, I don't know what the dates are for like submissions and stuff. So right. I assume this is the final season, right? If, if they're if judging, the, if the Americans came out this like early or late spring, early summer, which I did, right? Then it was eligible. I think so. Yeah. Um, then finally, supporting actress in a drama series, uh, Lena Headey, Game of Thrones, Sanus, uh, <laughs> uh, Millie Bobby Brown, Stranger Things. There we go. All right, Vanessa Kirby, The Crown. Uh, and Dowd, The Handmaid's Tale, uh, just a vicious, vicious role that she does so well. Uh, Yvonne Strah- Strahovski from The Handmaid's Tale, uh, Alexis Bled- Bledel from The Handmaid's Tale, Dandy Newton from Westworld. I really enjoyed the work that uh, Miss Newton did in Westworld. Yep. But holy cow, you probably got to give it to one of those three women in The Handmaid's Tale. I'd like Millie Bobby Brown, uh, but her standout episode is a little weird for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the the New Mutants episode, and I think that's going to hurt a little bit. But she was really, really good kind of coming into her own this season. So there's our thoughts on the Emmys. I'm not going to get too excited about anything except for if, if Barry or Atlanta does not win the comedy category, then... Like what? What more? Do, what more evidence do you need that the the Emmys has no artistic validity? Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody! Want to do some housekeeping before we move on to the next subject? Uh, reminding everybody that we are in the midst of our summer Game of Thrones season three rewatch. Uh, this is a big one because it, it'll essentially give us full coverage of the show. We'll have every season covered. Uh, we're doing it in a no spoiler format, so like. We're reviewing and talking about the episode as if we've not seen the rest of the season, and then we have a spoiler section at the end where we stop all that and 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 talk about like the little kernels that we've we've gained and see them sprout into full stalks of corn. Yep. Yeah, that's what you yeah. do. Kernels. Absolutely. You don't have grain kernels. The cur- cur- kernel is just corn. There's no way you have kernels of that corn. Yeah. You could have Kentucky Fried Chicken kernels. You can have computer kernels. But when you're talking about food, it's got to be corn. And kernels could probably sprout into generals at some point. Yeah. 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 I don't know you'd use that terminology, sprout, <laughs> sprout and kernel into a general, but sure. Uh, also, something excited, uh, we're excited about Better Call Saul Season 4 returns August 6th. That's a Monday. Uh, so here in the next few weeks, we'll be doing a preview podcast for that. Uh, and then we'll be out with full coverage of that each and every week as it releases. That'll, I'm assuming, be a Wednesday type of podcast. That's how we go. Uh, don't forget, we also did a first-run bald movie, Skyscraper, starring The Rock. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we got a general review for everybody, and we got a spoiler-filled review for club members. And then also, I'd be remiss to not mention that my Kickstarter for the book is ongoing at book.baldmove.com. Uh, we have... Uh, We've raised $11,000 out of a $10,000 goal. Uh, We'll be announcing some stretch goals this week. There's 22 days left to get in. Uh, There's a couple of uh, tiers where you can actually just get a discount on the book if that's what you're wanting. But we also got some really cool merch. It's probably going to be even cooler. Now we got Chase Stone as our artist. Um, Check out book.baldmove.com for all those updates. And let's get back to the episode. Okay, that's Emmy Talk. Done with that. 20 minutes. Holy shit, I can't believe we talked that much about it. Yeah, it's too much. I want to spend like two minutes on the Stranger Things Season 3 trailer. Okay. Uh, th- it's not really a trailer. It's an, adver- if it's an advertisement for a new mall coming to Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, Which is weird, because I didn't think Hawkins was nearly big enough to have a mall. Yeah. But that's the plot. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, I always thought like that Hawkins was like a Mooresville or smaller, and mm-hmm. like... I you know look malls huge part of the eighties early nineties uh, yes. kid culture the setting 
is awesome. The set, it's, yeah. and it gives a lot of like really cool opportunities for older kids and younger kids to mix together and for the younger kids to like bum rides off the older kids and like arcade mm-hmm. opportunities and all kinds of really cool storytelling possibilities. It does feel like Hawkins, they should have to drive 20, 25 minutes over to the yeah, next big town. For sure. They should have to drive to the Greenfield or, or to the Greenwoods or the Plainfields from the Mooresvilles of the world to get there. But, you know... That's not fun watching people drive for thirty minutes to get get anywhere cool. No, no, it's not. And you know, with the kids being so young, they can't drive. Their parents have to take them, or Steve would have to take them. More likely, yeah. Dustin's gonna badger him into I it. I did like Steve working the food court <laughs> uh-huh. with the Ahoy sailor or whatever. Yeah, um, that was good. That looked really good. And every single shot, they they really. So aside from it being in high def, you know, mm-hmm. they they do a little bit of like artifacting of right. the image to make it look sort of like it's on a tape or something yeah, yeah, yeah. or. Or a bad TV signal, I mean, it but does, it looks crisp. That's and, the thing. Like, it does. You are aware that they put all these actors in the '80s clothes, but I thought yeah. they really sold like the VHS tape quality of mm-hmm. it, and like the, the the kind of shitty lighting. And if, if even though it looks a thousand times better than VHS ever did, but it, it <laughs> but, but they they it hit feels that, like it that feeling, yeah. Like when whenever I was watching the kids at the like food court and they're tucking in this food and they're like wearing the like you know the crazy blown out curly poofs in their hair and all that stuff, yeah. I'm like, man, that looks exactly <laughs> like the mid '80s, right? In, and the jazzercise aerobics outfits in and, a way that like the show does, but the show reminds me of like my own memories, yeah, like what it felt like to be in the '80s. Whereas this actually captures what the '80s media felt like, which is good because this is yeah. supposed to be you know '80s universe, commercial, yeah. yeah. So uh, and they took like. I think almost shot for shot, like every shot felt like it was right out of like Fast Times at Ridgemont. Right, right. Like I swear I've seen those exact shots in that movie. And like there's a lot. I thought there was a lot of mall rats type of shenanigans yeah. kind of in the margins there. Looking and forward the guy to the... bopping with his walk, Sony Walkman yeah. cassette. You know, like it's, 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 <laughs> I think it's a Marty McFly model too. It had uh-huh. like the bright orange like ear cups and. Uh, maybe maybe someone will torture somebody with the uh, uh, rock and roll music. I don't know. It looks good though. Yeah, the the Sam Goody. Obviously, you had to have one of those. Oh yeah, at Radio Shack. Yep. I was waiting for like when there. I was like, there's got to be a JC Penny because JC Penny anchored <laughs> every Midwest mall I've ever been to. Uh-huh. Um, man, malls are really taking a beating right now. Yep. Have you ever been to a mall lately? Uh, yes. But there's no reason for me to ever go to one. <laughs> like, when I moved here five years ago, I lived right next door to a mall. And I'd go there from time to time. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just, in the decay it's undergone in the five years since I've been here. Yeah. It's, man, that's something that really took a 1993 me by surprise. Uh, okay, I think we're ready to talk, to, 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 to collapse our focus back down to the singular episode, the singular TV show. Mm-hmm. Abandon the premise of all of television and talk about HBO's Sharp Objects. Episode two, dirt. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Yeah, I I was surprised I liked it because I felt like they really, and uh, in, in, in compiling my notes and putting them in the categories that I want to talk about, I realized that like this was a lot of mainlining the mystery and clues, and it went. Now that they've established the character of Camille and her mother Adora and Emma, like they they added some new kind of twists on that, but they didn't like. I, I felt like. Over half the screen time of the first episode was set up to was devoted to setting up the characters in the town, and now mm-hmm. they got down to the business of telling a story. Which, since the big hook for me is this, the relationships in a small town and 
mm. kind of like the weird nostalgia I feel about it all. Like I, I was, I was impressed that they actually kind of like sucked me into the actual mystery. Um, yeah. that's my official. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It did feel like there was more mystery, uh, mystery pursuit in, in this one, which is fine with me. Uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out some of those relationships. Like, do you know the actual nature of the relationship between what, what's her name? Jackie? Is it Jackie? Yeah. The, the like auntish figure? No. Like who, what kind of relationship does she have with Camille? Is so like I I don't know I've I can speculate if you'd like me to sure yeah uh, there's a scene where like these mean girl queen bees show yeah. up at the funeral and kind of like haze uh, Camille a little bit for not being one of them anymore and for like not having not being successful by the way they judge it not mm-hmm. being married not being having kids they don't seem like they're particularly happy but you know whatever uh, well trod territory I wonder if like. Adora was the leader of a similar pack of that in high school, and Jackie was one of the the acolytes, and yeah, and and has a way of like trying to sympathize, like like has a way of sympathizing with Camille because she knows exactly the kind of firepower her mom can bring to bear, and she's probably seen both sides, like the public perfect persona that she just cares about everyone, and which is clearly bullshit. And mm-hmm. I felt like that maybe. Camille and Jackie, that character, have a little bit in common, where they 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 both know what their mother's the, the mother's lash feels like, and I don't know. That's my speculation. Well, I mean, definitely, we know that Camille has fondness for Jackie, uh-huh. right? Like she feels like she's the only person who ever really genuinely treated her kind, genuinely. She yeah. Says, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then you know the cop casts a little doubt on that, and right. she's like, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's. There's clearly mutual, mm-hmm. uh, a mutually positive relationship there, right? But I don't know where that's going. They, they, I don't know if they're doing that just for color or if they're doing that for later reveals. I don't know because the the woman in white mm-hmm. is interesting because the first person I think of, uh, I think Camille feels the same way because there's a little cutaway subliminal scene is like her mom. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've seen her mom in these wispy diaphanous gowns and she's got this like she says something at the end like like she tried to help this Natalie Keene um, because she reminds her so much of Camille. And it seems like there's a certain type of girl that's being murdered because the, you know, Emma and her group of roller skating mean girls talked about like, well, it's not the cool girls who are being murdered. It's like the weirdo outcast kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost wonder if like we're supposed to think that maybe Adora is purging the town of Camille type undesirables Hmm. Uh, as a, and, and, or maybe she's trying to take them under her wing and when they reject her, she, I, I I mean, it's, it's so on the nose that I, it almost makes me think that it's a red herring. Yeah. The same way when they showed a police chief, right? They just made it. They just made a point about how all these teeth are pulled out of like pliers with sharp edges, and this motherfucker is trying to straighten out his sign. Like literally, the next scene, he's got vice grips. He's training. He's wrenching and pulling and showing his man strength about like how many teeth he could pull. Like, uh, come on! Like he surely's not going to be their murderer. <laughs> I don't think he so. Can't, but... He can't. You can't do draw. Take a red highlighter and draw this guy out in episode two and have me think that he's going to be the murderer. Yeah. 
the only person we know can pull teeth is the cop from wherever right. he's from. Right. So, but suspect why, number one. Why would he do that if he used <laughs> the teeth pull? Like, you I know. know. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that Detective Willis was the 1983 teeth pulling championship at the Hog Fair in Wichita. <laughs> oh, My God, shit. we should have known. Look at his forearms. Yep. They're like Popeye. Um, the, the other small but I feel like revealing character piece that they did, it's very short, but uh-huh. there's a flashback of Camille... Uh, kind of Camille's sister, whose name I don't know, um, and Adora. Emma? You talking about her step? Her, no, her, her the dead one. Her, the dead one. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure. It starts with an M, I believe. Um, but she's clearly like uh, her mom's showing favor to the young sister. Yeah, taking her into the room, playing with her, whatever, and yeah. shutting Camille out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And to me, that kind of sheds some light on this whole thing because. Something was wrong even before right. the lashing out, right? right. Like the, the stuff at the funeral, the embarrassment at the funeral. Yeah. Um, things have not been good between Camille and her mother for a very long time. Right. And it's almost one of those things where, like, I don't know that this is the case because Adora seems to judge herself by, you know, those traditional values like family and children and stuff like that. Um so I don't think that she has this attitude, but sometimes there can be an attitude of like, especially toward the firstborn, because they're the ones who would this would apply to most, uh, a feeling of the kid, especially if they were were not intended. Um, mm-hmm. If you know, if it was like an accident and mm-hmm. oops, got pregnant, mm-hmm. now I'm having this kid. You can feel some kind of resentment toward mm-hmm. like them for changing your life yeah, substantially yeah, yeah. because you know that's something that's irrevocable. And once the second kid comes along, it's well. My life was already that. It's so like you Beth from Rick and Morty. Sure, yeah. You know, she's got a special kind of enmity towards Summer that she right. doesn't maybe have towards Morty, who's just kind of pathetic. Yeah, I I'm wondering if any of that is playing into it, but it doesn't. I don't think it quite lines up with Adora's values. Like I said, she I mean, would probably want a child, right? I think all of her. I think all of her. All of her on-screen behavior can be attributed to like just basic narcissistic personality disorder, sure. like. Camille was everything that she wanted her to be. She was beautiful and witty, and she was a cheerleader. And then something happened that pierced that veil of perfection and maybe revealed to Adora the things about herself that she's not comfortable about. And suddenly she uh, was this 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 person was persecuted, and now. The younger daughter who, I mean, because that's the thing, like, I even see a little bit how that happens with kids. Like, you know, kids are like three or four. They're showing you, 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 you see all the cute things that remind you of your strengths and like, you know, none of your real weaknesses. And then as they start to show those sides of their personality, it's kind of like it's a little bit of a of a shock to see some of your worst qualities or things you're least proud of, like reflected in a mirror. Mm. Um, but I think if you got a, a, like a narcissist person, that must be like, like nails on a chalkboard. You can't, you can't even bear it. Like these yeah. things you buried so far and you, you're so careful about erecting this facade so no one can see it. And then Holy shit, there's this copy of you out there with them on a billboard. <laughs> like to me, that's, that's what Adora is going through. And, and like, yeah, uh, and the, the the bullshit that she'll accept from Emma, like that scene where Emma's throwing a fit over the dollhouse mm-hmm. when we know it's it's all manufactured and Adora is just allowing it to happen. And like, that's so gross. Like, yeah, I, that's what Adora wants in a weird way. You know, it's <laughs> like she wants to 
feel like I guess she's the most important thing in this child's life and that yeah. these tantrums are like some kind of reflection of her need for her mother or yeah. like it's really fucked up man right and need for per, like her mom's similar need for uh like uh perfection maybe mm-hmm. but like and it's and also like this continually infantiling because like, she's like 14 15 years old and yeah like she's wearing this like disgusting pink <laughs> like 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 something that, that you'd wear out of like little house on the prairie kind yeah. of kind like of she job. lives in that dollhouse yeah she's got. but the whole fucking house is did you notice that when the the oh yeah the housekeeper is like sweeping the floor yeah that emma is sweeping the exact, exact same part same. of the dollhouse so this is a like she's living in this dollhouse right 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 i, I was wondering i was going to add that was one of the things i wanted to say because uh in like the subliminal or kind of like you know artsy fartsy section like what exactly are they trying to say there and i think yeah. you're spot on the ama is a living doll in this house mm-hmm. like this is a it's a micro it's that's so weird too like what are the odds that two like uh because hereditary had a big big dollhouse component of its plot for similar mm-hmm. Like, what are the odds that two things like with like would come out less than two months apart that would have such a yeah. interesting framing device? Um, but I don't know. I thought the the framing of the timeline there was a little important. Like, yeah. this animosity has always been there. Mm-hmm. There's also speaking in the maid. There's a lot of interesting uh, subsurface stuff they were doing. Like, did you notice that? Uh, Adora was always taking away knives from Camille. Like Camille can't cut her own apple. Uh, like all the knives are lot like the yeah. the f- maid was like locking up all the knives at the end of the scene. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing is when she goes to cut that apple. Uh-huh. Her mom says, "No, let me do that." And, and then, then she hands just it hands, hands it, to the, it fuck- to the maid. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, nah, it's although I gotta <laughs> say. Uh, the maid's apple slicing technique blew my mind. Yeah? She's taking those oblique angles, so, like, at the end, mm-hmm. like, you don't actually specifically cut out the core, but at the end, you've got this, like, perfect hexagonal... You taught me some things. It's because she, she eats those. She she, she eats the <laughs> she apple cores. She the cores, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she leaves as much of the meat as, po- of, as possible on the core. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I like, my eyes are open to the perfect way to slice an apple from its core. Mm. Bravo. Um... Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly, some of the stuff that Adora and Emma and get up to is just hard for me to watch. It's hard for me to watch because like I've seen some of these dynamics in my own family, and yeah. like the scene in the funeral where like Adora uh-huh. snatches the pin yep. from Camille. <laughs> And is causing this big scene in the guise of not making a scene and look like it's it's that's so specific to some of my experiences with my mother, <laughs> like at the Kingdom Hall and shit that like I yeah, I, it, it's hard for me to sit still and watch it. No. And those are the really good character moments. And there, there are others, too. You know, like at the end of this episode, we see uh, Camille lies to her editor about, oh, yeah. you know, getting consent to go into Natalie's room. Right. Uh, and. And goes and then carves the word liar into her jeans, you know, which would be her leg if she weren't wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost seems like she's carving her own sins into mm-hmm. her skin. Right. Uh, as as some sort of weird, like, this makes it okay kind of thing. Or, yeah. or like, I want to feel the guilt of this mm-hmm. thing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I want to be reminded of it anyway. Of up, but, yeah, I, I thought that was a good thing. But then at the end, she carves dirt. Mm-hmm. Which you know she has already carved many times before. Right. Obviously, now she's into like that f- seems important phase of like ritualistically like tracing the the previous. Right. So that's the other thing is we found out that like 
because I was on the fence about whether those were real scars. They're mm-hmm. they're totally real, definitely. Yeah. Um, and she's covered like head to toe, with the exception of her hands and face, and face, neck, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like anything, and they're, that... and they're definitely she is the one carving them. You know, there's no mm-hmm. like supernatural thing. She's done it over years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, makes me wonder how she got the ones on her back and all yeah, that kind of well... stuff. But like, you know, that might be part of the ritual. She like, I could totally see her with a stick and a. <laughs> razor blade and a mirror like going at it you know oh my god but the the other thing about like because like i don't i think people misunderstand like i don't think that my mom doesn't love me it's just like and this was a really like when at at the end when she's you know am is melting down and camille's melting down and she's like screaming like i just want things to be nice for us and maybe i don't know how yeah honestly i don't think a lot of narcissists have that self-awareness to say something like that it kind of took me out but it's also the tragic truth because i do think and ever since in every instance that i've known narcissists and i've had the misfortune of knowing if she's like they do want the best thing and they do mm-hmm. want things to be like nice and hallmarky and maybe that's part of the problem because real life isn't all like that all the time and they overreact to the bad times but like it is a tragedy because they want that authentic love and experience, but the way they go about is 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 just driving it further further from them. Yeah, it's like the 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 what Leia said about Tarkin: the the tighter you mm-hmm. squeeze your grip, the more that love and affection just leaks out between your fingers, and it's 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 tragic. I, I do feel like they should have had Camille say that to someone else about her mother, mm. like. You know, because like you said, it's too self-aware yeah. for somebody who's like that. Right. Uh, those people don't think about it in those terms or would certainly, even if they do, never express it. Because uh, it's a weakness. It's yeah. something like, you know. No, I think if Camille was like talking to maybe her stepfather or something and, you know, mm-hmm. said like, oh, why, why, why do you, she treat you that way? Well, she wants, she wants everything to be okay. She just doesn't know how. Right. Like have that conversation between two other characters. Yeah, I I thought the the other thing I, I thought was interesting about this episode is like I feel like there was more points of view than just Camille. Like in the first episode, I felt very almost like this was a first person view of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, like we got to see the detective kind of doing his own thing with the barber and his own investigation. And yep, we got to see uh, we got to see uh, uh, you know so Alan her stepdad talking to Adora and like you know. Uh, he he's like the little male spider. Like, okay, if I if I approach her and I stroke her pedipalps this way, yeah. and I do this dance and I put on the French music that she likes with my hi fi set, <laughs> uh, then and and he tries, he tries to like prop her up, but help prop her up because you know that's the thing he has to do. To get, and and but she just you know like all that effort and then just falls a shit and then like. And then he just sits down and enjoys his music. Like, what the hell's going on in his head, man? I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that he should have waited a day or something uh-huh. to try and do, let her grieve a little bit, let her remember her own daughter, right, uh, and her death. Let let her process that a little bit. Right. Then come in with the French music and the dancing. Right. Uh, God he, loves. He goes the world in a little prematurely, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah, like, his. I don't know how you navigate those waters. That dynamic, like, where you're just always walking on eggshells, and it's the rest of your life. Like, Jesus. But they seem to have, clearly, a better relationship than Camille and her mother do, right? Right. Like, the the two adults in that family, adults, they're, you know, one's well on her way to being adult, the other is a fucking adult. uh The the eldest of that family, 
um, they seem happy and they seem to have a good rapport when Camille's not around, right? And as huh. soon as Camille walks in the door, her mother goes into mother mode uh-huh. and things go terribly wrong. I mean, there is a certain type of couple that embodies that, like, you know, Cheryl Crow, are you strong enough to be my man vibe? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like, uh, I... The the incredibly low lows will be offset by the incredibly bipolar high highs and like it's like I'm riding the whirlwind and this is like everything it is to be male and female and like it's I think it's a bunch of bullshit but I've seen that again I've seen I know this couple like I've I've known them several times and it's exhausting but like it, it's it they they take pride in it like like the way like yeah. a combat vet takes pride in their purple hearts and medals like. Uh-huh. Like, look at the intense love we have, and, like, it's the passion and all that, and, like, okay. I think Camille needs to embody the Cheryl Crow can't cry anymore (laughs) philosophy. (laughs) Right, but, yeah, it's like that, or the Marilyn Monroe, if you don't deserve, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve major best, kind of, like, you know, all that shit you see on Facebook. Right. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I just, like, man, this guy... um, I know a lot of people had him pegged as like maybe a prime suspect. I don't see it. Like like Th- that's the point, man. Yeah. You don't see it until it's there. Yeah. Until you do and then you can't unsee it. I forget like I forget who did it. It might have been Josh Black, it might have been Shum, but on the forum somebody said like he's going with like the Dwight Schrute. That's always the person you medium suspect. Like <laughs> right. And you're right. Like cuz like I feel like the show is putting like bright red warning flags and flashes on people, but like it's so hot it can't be. Yeah. And then there's some that are like, "Oh, look, he just this guy looks like a normal person. It can't be. I I don't know." Um the other thing is like this show, so let's talk about I guess the mystery and what we found out about it. Cause we talked about Camille's mom and her relationship and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making a big deal out of that's, this has to be a guy both for yeah. statistical reasons, because statistically, if you're going to get murdered in this country, it's going to be a man doing it. Mm-hmm. Just overwhelming, overwhelming. If you had to bet, you're always going to bet that a dude killed you because women, <laughs> that's just not, there's a lot of reasons for it, but just safe to stay statistically, it's it's going to be a dude. And how much upper body strength it takes to pull teeth. Yeah. Um, I, I, that the latter thing, I think the first was persuasive just because it's, it's hard to argue with. It's, mm-hmm. it's statistics. The second one, it's like, Really? Yeah, I like. I mean, leverage vi- is a thing. Like, like vi- <laughs> vice grips exist. You just you squeeze uh-huh. them, you lock them, and you take a hammer and you knock it. Tooth's gone. Right. Like, I I don't. Uh, t- and to me, it's to the extent that like I think it has to be a woman who's committing these murders because the show is spending so much emotional yeah. energy putting this blind spot in front of all the investigators that it has to be a dude. It, but at the same time, it seems like such an obvious thing that they're doing that I want to lean back. It violates toward... the medium suspect rule, but there's only <laughs> two. Cho- it's a binary <laughs> right. choice, it, th- right? Unless you want right. to start like you know quibbling about like trans identities and stuff sure. like that, like it's it, it's going to be. I doubt the show is going there. Right, but... it's going to be at the end a biological man or woman, and like you know the everybody's suspecting the men, so it must be the women, but they're suspecting it so hard that yeah, that it must be the man, like. <laughs> I don't, I don't this know. This is where Princess Bride territory pretty soon. Yeah, like, maybe this is just the flack, you know? Like, they're throwing up the flack, and then they're going to throw the flack on the women's side, and right. then there's going to be so much flack in the air, you can't see anything. So you throw your hands up and just say, well, we'll see. Yeah. So, um, having said that, like, there is a witness to the murder. Uh, it's, uh, I forget this kid's, this kid's name. Um, 
like Kabisi or something. J- Jamie? It's, J- it's definitely James. James. Yeah, it's definitely James. James. Okay. Um, uh, Capisi. That's it. James Capisi. Yeah. I was close. Uh, and he saw a woman in white abduct this girl when she strayed into the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that that is a a clue that we can believe in. Is it his mother? His mother was wearing white, yeah? Uh, I think he would recognize his own mother, though. And she mm-hmm. doesn't seem like the type that gets out much. Yeah, but would he say it? Hmm. Would he say it's my mom, or would he have some weird brain thing that tells him, "Yeah, it's a woman in white"? Nah, I don't. I mean, no. you, you, I mean, I you, you could be right, but it just. I, don't. I mean, I don't even really have a theory. <laughs> I'm right, just saying right. his mother was in white. Uh, kids do some fucked up things sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Um, and he was playing with Natalie, which I thought was also interesting because this kid is like, what, 9, 10, 11, and she yeah. is 14, I believe they established. So, like, mm-hmm. but I get, in small towns, that happens. You know, you don't have ready playmates. Sometimes you, uh, well, shit, we're a perfect example. Like, very rarely would uh, an 11 year old and a 15 year old hang out, but we were in a cult, and, you know, you got to <laughs> right. kind of play fast and loose with your age associations if you want to, especially if you're a nerd that wants to play board games. Yeah. In rural Indiana. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, what if Steve was abducted while he was hanging out with Dustin? Right. Stranger things, yeah. Yeah. That, that would that would seem strange, but. Yeah, there, but there's been stranger things. Definitely. For sure. Uh,. I I don't know. I feel like that that's a that's that's a clue that we can kind of rely on. And I also thought that the in that the the the, the discussion between uh, Chief Vickers and um, shit, the Detective Willis. That's his name, right? Richard. I, I think it's know. Richard Willis. He's he's cop. Dick cop Dick Willie. Old Dick <laughs> okay. Willie. Um, the out of town uh, the out of town the Detective Willis. Um, where they're kind of like sparring. Uh, you know, Silence of the Lamb style. Mm. And he's like, I've read that book too, Detective uh, Starling. I I think they're trying to tell us, like, the normal serial killer rules you need to, to, to throw away. Like, all the mm. shit you think you know because you've seen Manhunter and you've seen all the seasons of Hannibal, you need to put aside because it's not going to help you in this case. Yeah. Um, like, they're building us a Rosetta Stone for, like, what evidence is persuasive and what evidence is not persuasive. I don't know how to use that, particularly, that that, that particular tool they're giving us, but I, do, do you agree with me that they're trying to teach us that uh, that the, the this is not a standard serial killer story? Yeah, I mean, that's the reason you bring up those standard kind of uh, principles, right. you know, it, is, is, is so that you can ground the audience in them so that when it turns out to not be that they'll go oh i didn't see that coming <laughs> yeah what'd you make of the the townsfolk almost fetishist ritual exiling of the rocks that snagged up mm. um and nash's body and they they, they even reenacted it like they showed yeah. um I, and i guess that must be the detective imagining it because how the hell would he have seen this like these Sure, weeping yeah. townsfolk, all of the men, car- carting these these uh, rocks across the, the the town line and smashing them and throwing them outside the community. No, I I liked it. I thought you know that's something that a small town with its own sort of folklore would do. Yeah, it, it almost feels a little too like Wicker Man e. It does. That's like it's very but, Old Testament. Like this building, yeah. this, this family got leprosy in this building, tear the building down and and burn it, you right? Know? Or 
uh, the feedback discusses scapegoat like that that that's uh, that comes from the the biblical practice of the the high priest taking this random goat and mm-hmm. putting all the sins all the undisclosed sins of the tribe on it and driving it out so the wrath of God goes and gets the poor scapegoat instead of the 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 nation of Israel. Uh, yeah. it, it feels that very old timey black magic voodoo kind of thing. Scape, scape rocking, scape rocking. Yeah, <laughs> these fucking it's just rocks. If they weren't there, um, I don't know. It it was bizarre behavior and just showing it reacted. I think it's important in a like almost a yellow king kind of way. Like, yeah, I was I was about to go there. It does evoke like a feeling uh-huh. certainly, and and makes this town. Adds to, I guess, some of the layers of this town. Yeah. Whereas before it was just kind of a sleepy small town. Yeah. Now you're kind of getting belief systems into it, which which are, you know, not not incredibly strange, but certainly beyond some of the stuff that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Like, like, is it a spontaneous um, display of unfocused grief? Like, Mm -hmm. we have no, we have no killer. We have nothing to take vengeance on. Let's just find something. Or are they playing a game of rules we don't understand? Like right. like, like a lot of shit in Wicker Man doesn't make sense until you get to the end. You figure out like what's going on here in this island. I think it's kind of similar. Like maybe just maybe there's something dark and eldritch here in this town. And they're like, you know, this is what you do. And every 15 years or whenever 20 years the child killer comes, you, you got to smash some rocks. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's also of a piece in my mind with all the imagery of fans and stuff that that they're hmm. showing us. Like the I intro that is loaded lot. with fans. The show is loaded with fans, and I can't tell if they're just trying to evoke the heat uh-huh. uh, uh, in a very visual way, or right. if there's something else thematically that they're trying to do with these fans. Hmm. Because they're all over the place. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I haven't seen any evidence for that for or against. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be something because, yeah, I just took it that they're trying to, you know, always reinforce how hot and sticky it is. Yeah. Um, But why have them, like, in the intro? Hmm. That seems more important to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, like, the same, like, we haven't gotten to the bloody hooks, but, like, obviously. And they're associated with the hog farms and, I don't know, something weird going on there. That's how they butcher hogs in this farm. They get get a fan spinning (laughs) real quick. They drive them through a chute, and it is mess. That's how hot dogs are made. Boom. Yeah. Pork sausage. <laughs> yeah. Pink. What what does they call that? The mechanically separated meat. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's you're gonna see the mechanical separation here this season. <laughs> um I thought it was also interesting how the town folk has these crazy theories. Like you hear some groups of men saying it's gotta be one of those hog, hog butchers because they're the only ones that can pull the f- fucking pull teeth. Why is the killer pulling the teeth? Why is the killer I have two know. completely radically different MOs? Like I'm, I'm starting to doubt with this episode that this is a serial. This might be a copycat, copycat, but not even. or like, like yeah. you know, this, I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know. But then again, like I'm not collector. a criminal profiler. Yeah, something. Um, there's also a lot of talk about how weird some of these fa- like, like there is a little bit of mo that both of these families they've said are ones that keep to themselves. We heard that the Nashes yeah, the losers, kept to themselves. The- the Keens, like the, we hear um, uh, John's girlfriend say, well, no wonder they don't, they aren't embraced by the town. They're so weird, and they keep to themselves and all this. And mm-hmm. the mean girl saying that's not the cool curls uh, being killed. Uh, also, the fact that like Natalie's mom said 
that she was a tomboy and she was this fiercely independent girl. And it, it, it sounds like they're talking about Camille, right? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a Camille type, which what do you think about Camille's sister um, of her youth that got murdered? Like that, that, do you think that she died of natural causes? Or do you think she was killed too? I mean, so far I'm operating under natural causes. Uh-huh. It seemed like she just got very sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless there was some ricin involved or something. Right. Well, I mean, Manchild Chir- like Man is by proxy. Like, her mom is, like, deliberately doing something to... Yeah, so uh, spiking her, her get tea that, with... That's the arsenic. Yeah, yeah, strychnine, rat poison, pig sure. poison. Oh, There'd be a lot of man. pig poison in this town, you'd think. So. Yep. <laughs> Um, but I don't know, but it's because it's like they're, they um, they they mention this John might be gay, and they talk about how that makes sense because you know the the apparently these girls are being sexually violated, and you know they talk about their that this is a sign of unnatural affections with siblings. I I don't think John did it, man. Like he just seems like a grieving brother. Sure, that's an outsider in a weird town, and and who do you turn to the trust at that point? I mean, I know it's a it's a stressful time for both of these families but both the nashes and the keens are acting weird you know like there's this fight between bob and whatever daddy keen's name is mm-hmm. uh when yeah. they're when they're having their their get together after the the funeral the detective taking... i would love to know what what was said there what happened there why that blew up and that their daughters used to be friends until they had a uh, a falling out and you can see on the mirror yeah like natalie has Anne written on the mirror under likes and and they crossed out and then now it's under dislikes yeah yeah like what what happened there is it possible that the teenage girls themselves are committing killings like this is the meanest girls amma amma is killing people it it wouldn't it wouldn't i mean it wouldn't shock me how long ago was the first murder Anne? last august I think. Okay. So it's been like eight, nine months they, they, they've mentioned. All right. I was going to say, if it's like four years ago, she's probably a little young yeah, to be yeah, murdering yeah, yeah. people, but yeah. uh, maybe. Huh. I think that, I thought that was that was interesting. Um, I don't know what else we want to talk Cle- about. Clearly Bob is like number one suspect on cops list. Yeah. Because he's, he's you getting soils. <laughs> you don't plant trackers or whatever the hell right. he's doing. On, on the car of just a minor suspect. And we saw like there's a little bit more of the temper he had because Camille's kind of like casing the joint and she he sees him he sees this guy screaming at a child. But then again, every time you scream at your child doesn't mean you're about to beat them or right. You know, like sometimes kids need to be screamed at. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I yeah I, I, and and you know they got the cop taking soil samples. Why? Because they're trying to see if he's been back to that creek or I guess so I'd, or or maybe just where he's been. Period. Right. What'd you make of the the time where Camille stops and just out of the blue praises elderly resident for taking down signs for Natalie Keene? You find out she also did it for Ann Nash. Uh, I, I thought they were just suspect. trying to give us. <laughs> yes. Suspect number one now. Uh, no, I thought they were just trying to give us a taste of the small town mm. vibe. You know? and, and maybe this the, is the like. The town's looking out for each other. And this is like the type of person Adora wants to be. Like this woman's just mm. doing something yeah. just to be nice and she's not looking to take credit and to be a hero. She's just doing her right. part. Whereas Adora is very showy. I need to make sure that people know that I care about this town. And they like it's 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 very showy versus selfless forms mm-hmm. of uh public service i guess yeah um uh what else we want to talk about oh can we talk about the bar scene uh okay. 
we we got some info. So I'm understanding that these these dudes that were all together and making jo- talk, the jokes about blowjob shots and stuff are the same young men we saw menacing, like chasing Camille and later menacing her with guns in this weird hmm. sex mur- uh, animal murder cabin. Could be. Yeah. Um, and that they're like, you know, there, there's like intimations that maybe Camille as a teenager, they would get her drunk and then take advantage of her or maybe even sexually assault and abuse her. Um, yeah. I, these are stuff I think they're getting. And I thought she weathered that fairly well, honestly. Like it was something going on in the background, but it didn't ever seem yeah. to like bother her. I mean, she. Uh, yeah. I was kind of surprised that the, the detective that himself to, wasn't like, the did. fuck is going, you know, like yeah. he didn't even seem to react. But one of the guys walks out, you know, they start making Kurt. jokes and he just walks the fuck out. That wasn't, that's not Natalie's father, right? They, they identify I him as don't Kurt. I think so. Uh, and I, I tried to do a search for like, but I, and that's probably a bad idea for me not to be spoiled, but like I couldn't find any information. I don't know who this Kurt character is. Hmm. Um, I don't know. But they also, the other thing that scene, we found out that both Bob Nash and John Keane, uh, oh, so it can't be it can't be Natalie's father because his name's John. Uh, they both mm-hmm. have weak alibis. They ha- they were both, both out of town at the time, but yeah. they can't prove it with cell phone records. Yep. No tolls they're paid. No, it, was, it was just their they have nothing but their own word that that they were out of town. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess that's something to look into. <laughs> yeah, the other background the other background detail is the how the town was treating this funeral as a hot ticket. I thought that was an interesting detail to throw in there. They showed a little bit where they actually had head counts. They had to turn people away, and people were visibly disappointed. And then, like, Camille called it out to her editor. Uh, oh, that's something we haven't talked about, the editor and his relationship with his wife. Oh, okay. Uh, is there... Seems like they've been married for a long time. Right. Because <laughs> they know each other really well. Do you think the wife... Because like, like, at first I thought that, that the editor's wife was just worried that he was getting enmeshed with this unstable woman and maybe putting her in situations that weren't for her own good. Hmm. But the second and and subsequent interactions, I felt like maybe she's a little jealous that Camille is getting all this attention. Hmm. But I, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I thought the first scene was really cute where he puts on the song about like, you know, baby, we've been through a lot together and she's like, yeah, right. In the background. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like every, every single time he looked a little bit like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's guilt from her, him saying, Hey, I'll think about it. And then he obviously either didn't think about it or doesn't care enough to like, like stop. Maybe we're supposed to understand that he is pushing her success at the expense of her mental health because I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I well, I think she's worried about this interaction between you know editor and Camille for a couple of different reasons, um, and they're both kind of summed up in the you know the usual things that she says. Right, you can't solve every problem uh, for everybody, and he's she's worried that he's trying to do that, trying to solve a problem that he can't solve or whatever. He can't mm-hmm. fix Camille. Mm-hmm. Don't try. Um, and then what was the other the other one that she said that that turned out to be the one that he latched onto? Uh, are you sh- are you are you you sure you know what you're doing? Yes, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing; like he might get in over his head here trying to help her. Right. So I, I felt like she was she was trepidatious about this whole thing from that perspective, but I didn't think it was more th- that it was there was anything more than that. Yeah, they're also showing, like, they're using background details, like the fact that he's kind of like a fix-it man around the house, showing that he has this natural need that he sees something broken, he wants to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, that's all well and good for machines, but whoo, boy, trying to do it with people. 
<laughs> get you in a lot of trouble. Get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, what does he what? does he think that that's does he realize that that's what he's trying to do here, or that that might be what he's trying to do by sending her home to get her to deal with some of this? shit? Oh yeah, because like he even says it to Camille, like this is some you know like this you you, you this will be good for you, it'll be good for your career, it'll be good. For, you know, I, I, I feel I think, like this would be good for people with semi normal relationships with their family members. Yeah, I I think this guy doesn't fully grasp know what he's doing fucked. here. Yeah, yeah she's is... his wife is right about this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he's messing with powers that he doesn't under- fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I think people from, from like baseline normal situations often can't understand how fucked up things can get in a home. Yeah. Even when it's not, like, obvious, like, abuse. And I'm not ruling that out at all because, like, there's mm-hmm. there is some, like, just goes beyond just narcissistic behavior that's, that's, that's happened here. But, like, I think a lot of people have a hard time like can see like if you came from a family where like you know unconditional love was a thing it's very hard for you to understand that you know not being the case sure so like this guy seems like he's well adjusted and has a good relationship with his wife it might not occur to him that sending her down here can be anything but like healthy yeah. you know like oh well, yeah is there some tough love involved and you know the difficult the demanding mother and all that but like it gets it goes beyond, it can get beyond that uh, what else did you want to talk about? That's about all I got. I have a basket, a basket, a certified basket full of feedback this week. All right. Uh, and my wife, Cecily, is helping me prepare it because she she mentioned that there was a lot of, or there was some book spoilers starting to sneak into the commentary. So she is pre-filtering Bastards. all that. Uh, and, I, and I think, because she's read the book, uh, I think that uh, now uh, the, 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 I, I, sh- I shouldn't have to worry about you know maintaining my purity. Uh, so thanks for that, Cecily. Uh, Rob C. Something about Emma commenting on Camille's beauty reminded me of the whole case of the Slenderman and the two girls that murdered their friend. Are you familiar with the Slenderman story at all? Not no. Me either. Like Not I know the lore behind it. No. Uh, I don't know anything like other. Like I, I honestly, I have no idea. Like I, I don't know whether he was just a creepypasta, if he's a video game character. Like I honestly don't understand. Like him and Jeff the Killer and all this other shit. Like I, I don't know what's a. Uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's character and what's this like an organic, you know, creepypasta right. thing. Like, I, I don't know anything about it. So that might mean something to somebody, but it doesn't mean anything to me, Rob. Uh, Josh the Black, I feel like the killer is 100% a woman, especially after Sheriff insisted it was a man. And that's why it can't be. <laughs> he also points out that bad women is kind of like a Gillian Flynn thing to do, which right. of all the stuff that I've seen her, that does seem like, you know, that, that, does, that does seem like a, a theme that runs through her work. Uh, here's a few things I caught. Before going to the wake at the house, Camille is scratching the word scared into her arm. We also see it scratched into Camille's driver door. The next time the door is shown, it says sacred. Mm-hmm. That's another kind of like true detective detail. Like it's, you know, evoking religious imagery in the stuff that she's doing, like this ritual she's doing to herself. And maybe it has something to do with what's going on with these these uh, these murders, because you don't murder someone, display them and pull their teeth unless you're doing something like that makes <laughs> sense in someone's head right sure there's a purpose there um same scene the license plates read tangle punish and i think bundle okay that was a scene where uh i believe that's also the scene where um bob nash is getting thrown out of the wake or the funeral or the reception or whatever the fuck it is uh, the caddy woman at the wake asks Camille if she has any children. She avoids the question. Later, Amma's friend makes a comment about Camille being old enough to be their mother. 
Camille told her boss she wasn't allowed to leave her house for a year after Marion died. That's her younger sister. Is this a red herring or Camille be Emma's mother? Oh, my God. That's actually a pretty strong theory. I'd say the ages line up better. I mean, like, like if Camille got either raped or had these torrid affairs with the town boys and then got pregnant and on top of the death of her sister, her mom just couldn't um, just imprison her in a house. So she went through the pregnancy and all that and just claimed the child. Because also, I feel like Adora is just on the ragged edge of being too old to be a mom in that situation. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Like, yeah, right, right, right. Like Camille's like right on the edge of being old enough to be and... Yeah. The thing I don't understand is I would think Camille would know that and their rapport does not feel like a mother who's being reunited with her daughter. I, I fuck, I mean, I'm just talking out of my ass. I don't know what that would look like, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like that's what's happening in Camille's head, but otherwise bomb theory, man. I like that a lot. Uh, directly after opening credits in a series of smash cuts, you see a girl standing on a red caboose with blood on her face. A few seconds later, you see the girl, same girl standing in Camille's bedroom next to a mirror. Her face is clean in person, but bloodied in reflection. Later in the episode, while driving away from the kid on the big wheel being scolded by his father, Camille passes the caboose, and you can see the same girl stepping backwards onto the caboose with blood on her face and smash cut to the same scene from the beginning next to a mirror. I didn't recognize her, but she's credited as Alice on IMDb. Uh, it's funny because I thought that this, this girl was, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Marion? But Marion, yeah, I thought I because I, you know, I, I'm not because of the nature of these spoiler, I'm not getting on to Reddit and doing a lot of in depth analysis on this stuff. So I, you know, like I, I don't like I saw this person and I thought it looked kind of like Marion, so I just assumed it was Marion because if it's any other woman or girl, how the hell would Camille know about it? Like, I don't think she's getting a premonition about Anne or Natalie and whoever the hell Alice is. Plus, hmm. also, IMDb lies a lot. I mean, we just went through that with Westworld. Or it's just wrong. Even yeah. if it's not trying to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the world, the the word Camille is scratching into her tummy at the end is dirt, the episode title. The word mm -hmm. you see in her arm at the end of episode one is vanished, also the episode title. So are we just going to see her progressively carve? I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these words are important. I Fix. Don't, I don't care to, like, try and dig in so nah. deep that... I lose my mind. I'm just going to wait for the reveals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking that. ahead at the episode titles, and they all seem like stuff that you could see on her body, like Fix, Ripe, Closer, Cherry, Falling, Milk. Um, milk's weird. Yeah. But all the other stuff, like, <laughs> you know, Cherry has a particular dark connotation in, in, the, in this material. Uh, Huncules uh, wrote in, I know it's kind of pointless to make predictions when the answers are already out there, but I'm betting it's a sheriff. The novelty wanted mm. Dever, dead or alive picture with the sheriff's pic, uh, face on it was surely prominently placed in the first meeting and everything that happened with him last night's episode sure seemed killerly to me. Uh, yeah, it's almost, like I said, the, the plier scene is just too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't be talking about how the killer pulled teeth with a plier and then show this man maniacally pulling on this, this steel plate with pliers <laughs> in his hands. Uh, we'll having him insist the killer has to be a man because he knows it. He knows, like, it, yeah. it, it, seems, it's, it seems absurd, but you never know because they, they got six more episodes. They could bring it back the other way, and, you know, it's, it's all who is medium suspect at the end. I'm going to be watching that stop sign, and if it's still bent later... Mm. We'll know that he's not strong enough yeah. to pull those teeth. Yeah, you, if you can't unbend the stop sign, yeah. you, you can't pull teeth for sure. 
for sure. Uh, Texas Sandman. Uh, this show turns my anxiety up to 100. Camille is drunk driving for 70% of the show, looking at everything but the freaking road. Someone has to get dinked by her Volvo. <laughs> Volvo. Volvo. <laughs> her the, the knockoff Volvo made by, I don't know, some kind of weird Eastern Bloc country. Uh, dinked by her Volvo soon. Hmm. This is just... It, life is different in the, the very small towns. Yeah. Like, drunk driving is not quite the offense when there are no cars on the road ever. Yeah, like, I, I, I could I could drunk drive between Mooresville and Monrovia all day, every day, and all night, every night, and probably only see another car or two in the week, you know? Like, I'm not saying... It's still not a good I'm idea. I'm not excusing rural drunk driving. No. I'm just saying that it's it's not exactly the same as barreling down a city street or a highway doing it right uh so i don't i don't i don't know that we are being taught to assume that she's going to plow into somebody but it could happen it could uh it's hard to catch everything in one watch but i really like the end of the breakfast scene where the housekeeper rushes to put away the 50 knives on the counter as Emma, i think looks at them longingly it just feels like everything is foreshadowing and we could have dived in an extra five layers deeper soaking up all the details i'm definitely loving the smell of the psychosphere on this one. Oh boy uh, agree. What did you think? So, I I didn't think Emma looked at them longingly. I think Emma was just like depressed that. Well, is she? The, did, did she want to go to that funeral? I think that's a performance she's put because like she seemed perfectly content to go day drinking with her friends on the roller skates. Yeah, I mean, if she thought that. So what was that? that Natalie was an outcast and a loser. Why would she care about her funeral? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think she wanted to go to that funeral. Yeah. GHM3 from the forums. Uh, the stop sign scene at the plier scene exists only to give the viewers to suspect the sheriff. Yeah, otherwise, the show seems to be telling us the culprit is a woman via everyone being so dismissive of the notion. Yeah, I think we've covered this, this topic pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie T with some observations. There's a spider in the opening credits spinning its prey, and it's shot to look like they're dancing. There's also a scene in opening credits of Camille's mother dancing with Camille's stepfather. Aha! Mm. Aha! Alan, you're gonna get you're gonna get webbed up and bit. That's all there is to no, it. No, he is the spider. Oh, he thinks he's the spider. Yeah, he's the spider. That fucker just looks too normal. Uh, he's too well adjusted. <laughs> well, get get a load of this. I don't know how true this is, but there's enough killer female spiders that spiders have come to symbolize mm. symbolize a feminine threat. From DreamDictionary.com, the spider is symbolic of feminine power over or an overbearing mother figure in your life. I didn't pull that out of my ass. I'm actually weird enough to have dabbled in dream dictionaries for over a decade now. All right? Hmm. I I accept your dream dictionary definition, Jamie. Uh, The victim's four-post bed was decorated in butterflies, uh, both in the sheer curtains and on the pillows. However, there was a spider hanging in the middle of it, a spider in her bed. And if that wasn't obvious enough, she also plays with spiders in her free time. Uh, did you notice how perfect the victim's teeth were? My dental x-rays are a fucking mess in comparison, and I've had a lot of work done. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I did admire how perfect the victim's teeth were. I wonder if that's... Are, are we supposed to notice that? It's uh, the genetic lottery, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in observing family or Camille's family more, I think Camille has always been the scapegoat daughter. Her younger sister was a golden child, just as Emma is now. Uh, she included a write-up of the scapegoat versus golden child in a narcissist's home, uh, an article on psychology2mind.com, uh, which, yeah, shit, I'll put it in the show notes. The thing about the golden child in psychology is they're not perfect. They face their own hardships. They receive abuse just of a different kind. But for what I've researched, they naturally take after their parent a lot more, which is why the parent attaches to them so strongly. 
Having a scapegoat helps unite a dysfunctional family. Emma threw Camille under the bus at the end of the episode, playing along with her mother's scapegoating of Camille, and Camille responded childishly to that, getting annoyed as though it was personal. I don't mean that in a judgy way. I just mean that I don't think it was personal. Emma is young and has to act this way in order to survive. Disagreeing with her mother would be a, uh, a hell she's had no experience with, and silently disagreeing with her mother is too risky. Better to express agreement and move on. I don't see this as disordered behavior. I see it as a victim trying to survive. Uh, I do think she's a burgeoning narcissist, but I don't think the dark side has consumed her yet. What do you think of that analysis, Jim? Yeah, uh, it seems pretty good. I I don't. I think that I think something's wrong with Emma, though. Like, yeah, I mean, she's clearly not like the the golden child. She's pretending to be. Yeah. But, she's, but she's playing she's that role not, in the family. As you said, like her mother. Right. That, that's the only thing I would disagree with is Emma is very much not like her mother. Yeah. Well, but you she's know, she's much more like Camille. Is Camille was Camille or was it uh, was Adora a wild child back in the day who oh, I guess then is know. ashamed of it and now want you know? Yeah. Um. You know, because because I've I've seen that in narcissistic. Uh, individuals too like this whole madonna horror complex and they get to be adults and real and, and think that like they just consumed the shameful things that they did and mm-hmm. then when their kids start doing you know anyway uh this isn't my therapy session it's ostensibly a podcast about all television mm-hmm. uh is camille's body a metaphor for the town all covered up nothing to see here but all this pain and rage underneath mm. could be i liked it i like yeah. the metaphor uh, I strongly identified the scene where Emma was talking to Camille for help or asking Camille for help with the alcohol. As the black sheep and or scapegoat of my family, I've been a go-to for this type of stuff, too. You get some kind of sad pleasure of at least helping their lives be easier, but of course they'll high road you later when it suits them. <laughs> uh, you have to be careful because bad parents turn siblings against each other. Uh, in some main suspect last week, Camille's stepfather. Main suspect this week, Camille's older lady friend. Interesting. I don't know what... What Patricia? What what Patricia? Is it Patricia? I think it is. Patricia, Jack. I don't Jackie. know. Jackie. I thought it was Jackie. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what Jackie's done to get everyone so upset with her, but uh, she's just suspicious. She's yeah. too. She's too loose. Too. Because she called Amy Adams beautiful. Yeah. Really. She's got a crush on crush on uh, Camille. It is interesting how I don't know. It's weird. When last episode she said beauty, beauty, beauty to her. Yeah, and, that creeped me out. And then Adora said, "I love you, I love you, I love you" to Emma. Yeah, interesting. Uh, telephone of madness. Uh, I'm not sure if I should answer this call. Honestly, it's a telephone, telephone of madness. Madness. This okay. is Rick Grimes talking, the answering the telephone in the prison season. Man, uh-huh. who knows what doors will open here. Uh, if Camille's sister had a chronic illness, I can totally see why Camille's mother, uh, or she was Camille's mother's golden child, because one of my dark triad family members is like an illness-seeking missile. Uh, I'm glad to see how many of our uh, bald move audiences as, as fucked up as I am, I guess, because they're throwing around terms like dark triad. Are you familiar mm. with the dark triad? No, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a cluster of personality traits that like essentially Ooh. form uh, uh, like malevolent qualities or psychopathic qualities and they are drunkenness skin carving and teeth pulling (laughs) no no it's narcissism machiavellianism and psychopathy okay wow yeah so you don't want all three of those no no that's (laughs) that's that's not the three cherries you get and (laughs) win a jackpot uh that's three poop emojis you get (laughs) 
and you, and it dispenses human misery. Yep. Um, anyway, she loves to latch on to people who have serious terminal illnesses because the targets are grateful for the help and or too weak to challenge their dominating behavior. It allows her to play the martyr saint and be told what a wonderful help she is being. She gets to steal attention from the target's visitors. She gets to remind everyone how irrelevant their problems are compared to the poor so-and-so. And they enjoy actually watching them suffer. That's a compelling... Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, I think that's a compelling suite of psychological observations you've made there, Telephone of Madness. Uh, at the moment, my money is on a door being behind the killings just because she's the psychopathic elephant in the room. But maybe the husband is helping her pull teeth because apparently a woman can't pull teeth. Female <laughs> dentists take note. Yep. When I saw her at the end of the town, uh, at the end in her gown holding Am, I thought, where? There's the woman in white, although I think the gown is actually light blue. Um, mm. Is it possible that the way we can have we can make this but we cannot make the binary choice between choosing a male killer female killer is that there's two killers working mm. together yeah the duo like alan's so far under her spell that hey you know i'll i'll engage in some light murder with you uh, of a teenager if it means i'll get a uh, i'll get to listen to my french orchestral music in peace for a week mm-hmm. or a weekend you think there's something to that or it's a Jackie Adora combo? No, but sure. Yes. <laughs> you, you don't think that there's a it's a possible two killers working together? Oh yeah, that's always possible. It could even be more. It could be the whole town. We could the have a hot town? fuzz situation. Oh going my on. god, a yeah. hot fuzz situation. Yeah. Why not? They're going to be wearing those apocalypse cloaks and uh-huh. intoning things about keeping the order. Uh, all right, I can get down with that. I, I do think it's interesting the idea that like we're looking for a killer, but there might be two, and it would also yeah. neatly solve why there's different mo's. Right. And, you know, maybe like that's why the teeth pulling and the framing is they're trying to like make it seem like a conventional serial killer to throw them off the the trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. And could could two women working together pull a tooth? Is that possible? I think so. Would the sheriff even if admit they used every that it's bit possible? of their lady strength and maybe Jesus some Christ. some mechan- some some leverage, mechanical advantage, maybe they could get a mouthful <laughs> of teeth out. Maybe. I hope everyone knows that we are speaking in the highest sarcasm. Here. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hope people know that. Yeah. But then again, I don't know. Uh, probably good to, to explicitly say that. Uh, yeah, I like the I like the the other thing about the um someone pointed out I I didn't include this for feedback, but the sheriff is saying uh a lot, use this term a cry for help a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and they want to be caught and maybe that explains some of the like I, when I was reading that I'm like, well this seems kind of far-fetched, but now at the end of the podcast uh is there something to that like maybe the sh- the sheriff is being like so shady in plain sight because i don't know i mean what's his motive though yeah it, it it's in the same scenes where you're talking about you know them essentially pointing out the obvious right stuff about serial killers and it's right. going to turn out not to be that so It'll be one or the other. It is interesting that, like, I think the sheriff is of Adora's generation in this town. He mm-hmm. is from the town. But, like, we don't know anything about him. His family, sure. whether he, like, you know, I, I'm assuming he's not from old money or why would he be the sheriff um, or the chief of police. I guess that's different than sheriff. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see him as a suspect. I feel like there's a reason why there are two 
cops from different locations in mm. this story. I, I don't think... I don't know that one of them is going to turn out to be the killer, mm-hmm. but I think that's an important factor here, that one of them is from the outside and one of them is from the inside. Maybe uh, Vickers isn't the killer, but he's helped cover it up. Like we, right. That was one of the false flags in True Detective. Like You think it's this this uh, little ter- sh- toady sheriff character, but mm-hmm. he is actually just looking, being paid to look the other way by powerful interests. Yeah. Uh, and if you're talking about the old money of the town and, you know... Maybe, maybe, but then and maybe that's why he's so hostile because he first called him in there because he didn't know the and now he's now he knows it's connected to the old money and now he wishes the guy would go away because it makes his job of covering up harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't what, know. yeah, why would you? Uh, I don't. Know, I guess you don't need a reason other than than money and and power to to be <laughs> complicit in killing someone. A, a lot of people will not ask questions right. if they can either get paid or rewarded in some other way for it. Right, and that their betters are telling them, oh, this is something you don't need to worry about. Of course yeah. we didn't do it. This is all, yeah. Ah. Uh, fascinating show, and, and we'll I'll be interested to see how the next six weeks go. Uh, the mm-hmm. only thing I can say for sure is that we will be back next Tuesday with another episode of, uh, you know, again, coming down off the all-television thing just to talk about sharp objects. If you'd like to send us feedback, please do so at tv at baldmove.com or in our non-spoiler discussion on the forums. Uh, I know there's several people have read the books, but they're keeping that stuff to themselves at forums.baldmove.com, tv at baldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com. We will see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. You know the number one question I get on the Bald Move TV podcast, Jim? No. How, how do you guys cover all of television? Oh, good one. How, how do people, how, how do you come up with the budget to do it? Like, mm-hmm. it's just a, such a, a vast in, 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 in scope. Uh, and, and the answer is, uh, we've got this thing called the club. Club.baldmove.com allows our listeners to directly support us. Don't have to take money from the man, uh, though we're willing to. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it's a lot of money, if it's, if the it's, man yeah, has to it's, pay extra. Shit. If it's out there in the streets, I'm, I'm going to pick it up. It's a man tax. Uh, it's, I'll, it's, just, I'll say that. The, the man has the man tax. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can avoid that by, by being primarily listener-supported at the club. Club.ballmove.com. Uh, it's good for us, obviously. Why is it good for you? Uh, you get the satisfaction of supporting uh, a, a independent podcaster. Uh, you get a lot of extra uh, features. Like, so if you like me and Jim, well, there's a lot more of us. We're doing bonus shows like Quip, and we do video game playthroughs, and we do Lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is this, our our variety show uh, ev- that we host every Friday. It's a perfect way to cap your end of your week. You get ad free feeds if that's something important to you. Uh, check out all the benefits at club.baldmove.com. You can preview a bunch of them for free. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial. Uh, check it out, club.baldmove.com.